Today I have a really uh, great message, I think. I mean, I hope you guys agree. Uh, one of the things that the Lord has placed in my heart is about being fully awakened in Christ. And what does that look like? Oftentimes we see people that are lit up and on fire for God. And we often wonder like, how do they do that? How do they maintain that? How do they get to that point where all they want is more of Jesus? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And so I often operate in the anointing of a teacher. So if you have your notepads, if you have your phone, if you have the little notepad, I know y'all got that notepad on your phone. I will be handing out homework today. So make sure you get those ready because I want to make sure that you have the full concept of understanding of the stories that I'm going to teach on today. Because of the sake of time, we don't always, we can't always go through the entire story, but it's context and content. And so I want you to be able to go home and read through the stories. And, and a lot of you are saying, oh, but I know the stories in the Bible. But how many of you know that every time we read it, we can get something new? So I'm going to give you some scriptures and some stories I want you to go home and um, look at. So I'm going to talk about three different ways that we can be awakened today. And the first one I want to talk about is being awakened in Christ from the beginning. It means being uh, when we're dead in our sin and then we're awakened to Christ. See, over 25 years ago, I made the decision to be awakened in Christ. I lived a life that was of my own for my own pleasure and my own desires. Many of you know my testimony, but I'm not going to go into it. I'll share briefly that I was addicted to drugs. I was on alcohol. I was a party animal, if that's what you call them nowadays. Um, but I was out on the streets just doing what I wanted to do at any time. I was functioning. I had a job and I was raising children, but I was lost in my addiction. And 25 years ago, I made the decision that I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of being tired. And I said, one day I came to the rock bottom of my place of where I was at in life. And I said, Lord, help me. Amen. Have your way in me. Do what you want to do. Now, maybe that's not your story. Maybe you don't suffer with addiction. Maybe you don't have that problem. But maybe there's other issues in your life that are causing you to be dead in Christ or to be dead before Christ. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's arrogance. Maybe you're cooking the books a little bit of your business. Or maybe you're skimming off the top of your employer. Or maybe you're a womanizer, but nobody knows it. Maybe you have a hidden sin called pornography. See, there's a thing that God can do is that he can waken you fully so that you're fully awakened and empowered by the spirit of God in your life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. See, when we give our life to Christ or when someone talks about us giving our life to Christ, the first thing we think about are the do's and the don'ts. Oh, well, I'm not going to be able to do this. And I can't do that. Well, this isn't allowed and that isn't allowed. And so then when we come to Christ, the first thing we do is we try to manage our sin, put it in a box. But if I don't do this, I'll be okay as long as I do this. Okay, I don't do drugs, but I'm hiding my anger problem. I'm hiding the abuse that's happening in my home. So when we, when we fully come into Christ, when we fully say, I'm done. You know, 25 years ago, I got to a point where I said, I don't want to do this my way anymore. Because after 25 years, I had made a hot mess of things. But I didn't know any better. I didn't know another way. So today I'm here to tell you that there is a better way and there is another way and his name is Jesus. Amen. And you can come out today if you choose to and say, I don't want to do it my way anymore because I jacked it all up. I want the better way. 
I want the new thing. I want to live my life in Christ. So I want to explore what it means to be alive and fully awake in Christ. And I'm going to talk about a couple of stories. And the first one I want to go to is John 11. So homework number one, John chapter 11. Because I can't read the whole story, but I want you to understand the whole story. So John chapter 11 talks about a man who was dead for four days by the name of Lazarus. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, were crying out to Jesus to come. Now, what happened was these people came and said, have you heard Lazarus is dead? But Jesus didn't move and stop everything he was doing. He waited. Four days later, he goes to Lazarus. And I don't know about you, but I want to do what the Bible says I can do. And I want to do what Jesus does. So if Jesus raises the dead, guess what? We can raise the dead. Have I seen it happen? Not with my eyes, but I'm going to keep praying until I do. I'm going to keep working until I do. I'm going to keep seeking God and going after God. And anytime there's an opportunity for me to pray for someone who passed away, I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe life. We had a mission, a mission trip that we went up to Mexico and the Lord was telling us to be prepared for this before we went. And we went to Mexico with the understanding that there was a little boy that was sick in the hospital and we were, our goal was to go see him and pray for him as a team. The night before we were to go to that mountain, it was a rural area two hours from the city that we were living in. The night before we were to go, the little boy passed away and his name is Emmanuel. God is with us. And so we got a call. We're at dinner. We're at breakfast that morning and we're getting ready to do a women's conference at another church. And we got a call that Emmanuel died the night before. And I wept openly. And it took us another eight to 10 hours to get to him because we had to fulfill our commitment. But we made an agreement as a team. We were going to go and pray anyway. And I remember sobbing and weeping and crying and saying, God, did we miss our opportunity? Why didn't they call us the night before to go to the hospital? If he would have, if they would have called us the night before, I really felt like we had missed that window of opportunity. And we had such an amazing team and such a fired up team that when I'm caught in my feelings and when I'm operating in my gift of mercy, my team is like, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. It took Jesus four days to get to Lazarus and he was raised from the dead. We did not miss an opportunity. Thankful for a strong, powerful team because I'm, I'm, I'm a crier. I know that's shocking to some of you. So as I wept, my team was like, nope, let's go. Let's go pray. We went up a mountain two hours and spent two hours interceding and praying for this child. Weeping for him. Unfortunately, I can't say that he was raised from the dead, but what I will tell you is when the opportunity presents itself again, we're going back up that mountain and we're going to push and press into the things of the Lord. Because let me tell you what, when you see someone raised from the dead, when you lay hands on someone and they're sick and they get healed, when you see someone walk who's never been able to walk before, that is the best high you could ever have. No drug can compare to that. When you see someone walk that couldn't walk, you're like, whoa, that's a trip. And it ain't an LSD trip. It's a trip on the goodness and the magnificence of the Lord. And we have seen those things happen. So when you become fully awake and alive in Christ, you can do all the things that Jesus did. But most importantly, you can see his glory. 
you can see his splendor. You can see the goodness of the Lord. So let's look at John chapter 11. It says, then our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. So verse 11 says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And then they questioned Jesus and said, what do you mean he's asleep? And he had to make it clear for them. How many of you know God speaks in parables? And you've got to hear what the Lord is saying, because if you don't have that awakening in Christ, you're going to read these amazing stories in the Bible, but you're not going to get the mysteries behind them. See, there's hidden treasures in that word. And we have to be awake and alive in Christ to find the rubies, to find the gem, to find the gold, or we're just, they're just going to be another story. So in this particular scripture on verses 39 and 40, we're going to jump down a little bit. Jesus tells them to roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protests. He says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested and said, Lord, he has been dead for days. The smell is terrible. How many of you know people in your life or of your sphere of influence or those that are around you that seem too unreachable for God? Mm, they just too bad. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they've done. They come next to you and you're like, mm, that sin in their life is so obvious. Can I tell you there's no one that's unreachable for God? Can I tell you that salvation is for everyone, whether we like it or not? I deal in the anti-human trafficking realm. And years ago, the Lord one day at three o'clock in the morning wakes me up and he says, I want you to pray for the traffickers, those that are exploiting the women and children and boys and men. And I was like, God, he said, what about the traffickers? And I have this lingo, I have this dialogue with God. And I, he said, what about the traffickers? And I said, what about them? And he said, you need to pray for them. And I said, okay, God, I pray we find them. I pray justice. I pray, you know, I went all warrior mode here. Like, oh, I'm a justice bearer. I wanted justice. And God said, they're lost too. They're dead in their sin. They don't know me. And I wept in my bedroom. I wept because the conviction of the Lord hit me because I did not think they were reachable, nor did I want to reach them. There's people in our lives sometimes that we feel are unreachable or we don't want to reach them. They've done too much. They've said too much. They've gone too far. Their stench is unbearable. But God said, Jesus said, roll the stone away. And then he doesn't say, hey, Lazarus, why don't you come on out of there? Come on, Lazarus. Hey, wake up. You know, like we wake up our children. Wake up. Good morning. It's time to get up. Jesus, Jesus, let's wake up. He said, Lazarus. Come forth, Lazarus. So today I'm saying, son, son, come out of your grave. I'm saying, daughter. Come out of your tomb. God is calling you home today. God is calling you into a new life, a better life, a life that is rich and satisfying. Don't worry about what you can and cannot do and what you don't and don't want. You know what? He takes it away from you. Little by little by little or all at once, depending on your process. So when I was dead in sin, he said, Marlene, I'm calling you. Come on, baby. Oh, I'm going to cry now. Oh. He said, Marlene, come out of your grave. That's all you've ever known. Come out of your addiction. 
come out. And one day I said, I'm done. So today, if that's you, and you're a dead man walking, I had a young adult this morning, and he was here, and he was really struggling a while back. And a couple of people went up to him this morning and said, hey, you look really good. It's so good to see you. Dude, you look better than I saw you last time. Like, you look good. Then they walked away, and he said, did I really look that bad? And I was like, yeah. And he said, what I look like, a dead man walking? You had death on your face? There was no joy. There was no peace. You were being tormented. And he said, I don't look like that anymore. And I said, no, you don't. You don't look like that anymore. So maybe that's you today. Maybe you have not decided to walk with Christ. Maybe you have not made that decision to just say, you know what? I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. Maybe you've been a dead man walking. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. I want to challenge you. I want to welcome you to come out of your tomb. Come out of your grave. We'll have an opportunity for you to get prayer tonight and, or today. And let me tell you, there's no judgment in this house. If you have guys have come when Kevin Lill was here, we had just a big Kevin blowout. Man, we talk about everything. Can I get an amen? We talk about getting free from drugs, pornography, addiction, all kinds of stuff. Abortion. There's no judgment in this house. There's freedom. Because Jesus reigns and rules here. So maybe you haven't made that decision. Maybe you haven't come out of your tomb. Today's your day. I'm going to give you an opportunity later. So Ephesians 2.1 says, Once we were dead because of our disobedience and our many sins. And then Colossians 2.13 says, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not cut away. Then God made you what? I can't hear you. What did you make you? I can't hear you. What did he make you? He made you alive with Christ for he forgave it all. He forgave it all. When you come out of your tomb, when you come out of hiding, when you come out of your grave and say, I'm done, can't do this anymore. He forgives it all, washes it white as snow, covered by the blood of Jesus. That's why he went to the cross. So he forgave it all. When you were a dead man walking, you can now be alive in Christ. So he took away all the things that were binding me and he set me free to live. He loosened me from the things that wrapped themselves around me. Where's that last verse about, uh, verse 44? John eleven forty four, 44. And the dead man came out. When you say, Jesus, I'm done. Jesus, I don't want to do this anymore my way. When you come out of that grave, his friends, his hands and feet were bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So if you make that decision today, if that's you sitting in the pew and you've never done that or sitting in the chairs, we don't have pews, and you've never done that and you decide to come up and get prayer today, your grave clothes is going to be taken off. Your hands are going to be unbound. You're going to be free and you're going to be let go to live life, to live a rich, satisfying, and abundant life. Let's look at Ephesians 5.14. says, for the light makes everything visible. And this is why it says, awake, wake up, 
Oh, you sleepers, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. See, when we're wandering around in the darkness in the grave, we just can't find the way sometimes. And Jesus is the way. I'm so grateful for the day he rolled my stone away. I'm so grateful that he took the things that were binding me and he set me free. He loosened those things that were wrapped around me. He took me from darkness and set me into light. He let me know how to fully live alive. See, when I was doping up and I was smoking dope and I was doing coke and I was taking LSD and I was self-medicating on alcohol, I didn't know what it was to be alive. I didn't want to feel my feelings. I wanted to medicate them. Do we medicate them? But God can set you free and deal with the hard stuff and deal with the pain and deal with the neglect and the hurt and the abandonment. I'm talking to somebody this morning. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose. See, we, we quote, those of you in the church realm, in the church, this is our Christianese. We quote this all the time. But the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Got to watch that thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You got to watch that enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes, but what's the next part of that? Jesus' purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life, life full of joy and peace where you can, you know, you can cruise down the street and you can got to worry about a popo in your back rearview mirror. Any of you remember that? Am I the only one? Can we get real this morning? I'm driving. I'm like, oh, dang, there's a cop behind me. Drive straight. 12 and 10, 12 and 10, 10 and 12. Blinker, clink, 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 clink. Oh, get over. Look over. What's in my glove? What's in, am I the only one? Did I drink one too many margaritas tonight? Or for me, it was Patron. Can I be real? Did I drink one too many Patron tonight? But God came to give us an abundant life. See, the next day when we think we're the life of the party, the next day is when reality hits. And everything you self-medicated from is looking at you in your face. Now you broke, busted, and disgusted and still facing the same thing. But with Jesus... It's not that those things leave. It's that he teaches you to walk it out in perfect peace because he becomes your advocate. He becomes the one that fights for you. See, I used to have to always fight for myself. I always had to, I used to say, I used to have to scratch and kick and fight to get through life. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to defend myself because he's my great defender. He is my savior and the lover of my soul. I ain't got to look to anybody else to make me happy. Don't get me wrong. I love my husband. He is the love of my life. And I don't know where he is. He's my boo. There he is. He is my boo. But before him, there is Jesus. I can't count on him to make me happy. I have to count on the Lord. I have to have a relationship. I have to be fully awakened in Christ. The next thing I want to talk about is being awakened from spiritual dullness. Let's look at Matthew 26. See, sometimes there's some of us in the room have made that decision. We've made that choice. And we're walking with Christ. But then something happens. It's called we get comfortable. We think we got this. I know what I'm doing. I don't read that book five times. I don't have to read John 11 again. Next homework, Matthew 26. Write it down. Jot it in your notes. Get your phones out. 
We're going to talk about the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think we're going to 45. If you guys will just follow me really quick. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here and I will go over there and pray. Then he took Peter and Zebedee, two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. At this point, Jesus is about to go to the cross. So his soul is in agony and he's distressed knowing what's coming, knowing what's about to take place. He's going to lay his life down so that you and I can have a relationship with Christ, with God. Okay. He was the sacrificial lamb that was pure without spot or blemish, but he took our place. So that we could, remember back in the old days, in the Old Testament days, no one was allowed into the temple of God in the area called the Holy of Holies, which was the presence of God. And Jesus took our place, was the last sacrifice, so that that veil was broken. And you and I now have access to the Father 24-7. All we got to do is walk in. We don't have to have a building. We don't have to make atonement. We don't have to put bells on our robes. We just say, Jesus. So Jesus is getting ready to sacrifice his flesh so that we could have access to God. So he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? He's about to go to the cross and he tells his friends, watch and pray. And he goes and he's in agony, but he says, not my will, let your will be done. I'm willing to sacrifice my flesh so the will of the Father can be done in my life. And then he comes back, también dormidos. (laughs) They're asleep. He says, keep watching, pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. See, we have all the right intentions, but we have to make this flesh submit and die daily, be sacrificed that the father's will will be done and not our will. Okay. He's a perfect example, a model of dying to the flesh, dying to what our body wants. Cause when I gave my life to the Christ, I was jonesing for a, for a joint. Some of you know what that means. It means I was like, I need to get high. I need some weed, blah, 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 blah. And every day that want got a little less and it got a little less and it got a little less and it got a little less until I was healed. But I had to die every day. So what is God asking you to die to every day? What part of your flesh is the Lord saying, cut it off, sacrifice it, lay it down for me. Not my will, but let your will be done, Father. I don't want to have my way. I want your way. So he says, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. He returned to them and again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time. He didn't bother waking them up this time. He's like, let them sleep. So he went to pray a third time saying the same things again. 
And then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. And so what happens right after this is because they didn't watch and pray with him and because they didn't see when the betrayer came, when they came to take Jesus, what did they do? They wanted to fight. They bucked up because when they should have been awake and watching for what was coming, they slept. One of them even went so far as to run away, denying Christ. So God is telling us, watch, something's coming Pay attention. What's happening? Be alert. And we're too busy, caught up in the struggles of the day, of our busyness. I get it. You have basketball. I get it. You have work. I get it. You have this. I get it. You have that. I get it. You have this. But we can't find ourselves asleep because when those trials come and those tribulation comes, if we're not careful, we're going to want to fight or run instead of standing in the peace of God. See, Jesus was in the presence. Jesus was sitting with the Lord saying, not my will, but let your will be done. He was saying, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I don't want a thorn of cross on my head. I don't want nails in my hands and feet, but let your will be done. We say, God, I don't want to struggle. I don't want to have financial problems. I don't want to have trouble with my kids. I don't want to have this. I don't want to have that. Can you take it all away? And he says, can you watch and pray? Can you watch and pray? Can you see what's happening? Can you recognize the signs and the times? People, last Wednesday night, we had someone stabbed and killed in a church. If that's happening in the church, imagínate what's happening outside of the church. Pay attention to what's happening outside of the church. That is not to be fear. That is not to bring fear. That's to say, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Because we have this saying in Spanish, el enemigo no duerme, the enemy doesn't sleep. But when we are in the presence of God, when we are alert, when we're saying, not my will, but let your will be done, we will know the strategies and the plans of the Lord. We will know them. And it's not our fight, it's his. So they were totally unprepared for about what they were about to say. And Jesus told them they needed to prepare, but they got dull in the spirit. They got busy with life. They got too concerned with their own physical needs that they slept and they missed the whole preparation time. How many times has God given us a word or given us a dream of something to come and we ignore it because we're so busy with our priorities? Don't get dull. Be watchful. Be alert. Be in the presence. Think of what you miss when you're asleep. Let's look at Luke 9, 32. Peter and the others had fallen asleep, but when they woke up, they saw Jesus's glory and the two men standing with them. So when we wake up, when we're fully awake and empowered by the Spirit of God, we will see the glory of God in everything around us. There used to be this old song that we would sing. Yeah, I'm going to sing a song. And it said, I don't know how, to, maybe, I, maybe I won't sing it because it's in Spanish. But it says, I know that Christ lives because I can see it in the smile of the children around us. 
So when you're fully awakened in the things of God, you're going to see him everywhere you go. Yes, there's trial and tribulation and the, the sin and the darkness in this world is growing more and more. But when you're fully awakened and empowered in God, you're not going to focus on that. You're going to see God in everything you do and everywhere you go. I was listening to Chris Volatin the other day and he was talking about hearing God. And he was saying that if you say you haven't heard God in the last 24 hours, it's because you're not tuned into his frequency. You're not really seeing how he's talking to you. Not pay attention. You're not really seeing, not just hearing. So when you're seeing everything that God is doing, you'll hear everything God is saying. Because he's not just speaking. He's showing you things. I talked about in the first service, one time Lauren was in the foyer and she had a necklace on and she had a heart on her necklace. And I just real, you know, walked by and said, oh, I love your heart. And I touched it and she was like, oh, you love my heart. And I was like, yeah, it's cute. And then I walked away and the Lord said, you missed it. See, she heard my voice, but you didn't recognize I was talking. And he used my mouth. He used my mouth. And I was like, whoa, I totally missed that. So even pastoras get it wrong. Even pastoras can be dull sometimes. It's not my desire, but I'm task driven sometimes. And I was about my task. Oh, I love your heart. And she was like, oh, you love my heart. And I was like, wow, she got really excited. I like her necklace. And the Lord's like, no, you told her you loved her heart. And I was like, whoa. And then she was over there like, whoa. But I missed the Lord in that moment. So when, I, when you're fully awakened and alive in Christ, you're going to catch the moments. You're going to catch the 11-11. You're going to catch the 12-34 on the times. Some of us are really into numbers and times. And I was like, God, I want to I see numbers. I never see numbers. I want to see 2-2-2-2. I want to see 11-11. I want to see something. And he said, well, are you looking? It's like, whoa. See, I get in trouble too, guys. I'm human. I'm learning with you. I'm preaching to the choir here. So the other thing I want to talk about is in the first story that we talked about, the disciples were sleeping when they should have been awake. And I want to flip that about when you're awake with worry, fear, and anxiety, and you should be sleeping and resting in the Lord. And let's look at Mark chapter four. Homework number three, Mark chapter four. When Jesus is in the boat with his disciples in the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And verse 40. He says, why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? See, and to me, the point of the story is if you don't sleep at the right time, you'll fall asleep at the wrong time. This was not a time for them to be awake. It was a time to rest. And even though there was a storm, Jesus was with them in the boat. They had no reason to fear. Jesus is with you in your boat. There is no reason to fear. We have every reason to rest in him. Not be filled with the worry or the anxiety of this world or the age of this season or the age of the spirit or whatever you call it. 
There's no reason Jesus is in our boat. When you make that decision and you say, I'm done, can't do this, don't want to do this anymore, messed it all up, I want to do it your way. He gets in your heart, he gets in your boat, and it becomes his job to defend you and not yours. So when he's in your boat, you don't have any reason to fear. The core problem is that oftentimes we're too passionate about the wrong things and not passionate enough about the right things. The other thing I've heard about this story, and I don't know if it's Brad McClendon that shared it with us, but that storm was going to propel them to their destination. It was like crazy and wild and Jesus was in the boat. And then the rest of the story, he gets up and rebukes the storm and there's peace. And while that storm was going to propel them to their destination, because they were afraid, Jesus stood up and calmed the storm. Then they had to work to get there. They had to pull their oars out and start oaring or rowing to the shore. Where had they rowed that storm out with Jesus in their boat and learned to have peace in the process they would have reached their destination faster. So my point is, what process are you in and what destination are you getting to and what storms come along the way? And instead of saying, stop the storm, say, Jesus, let me feel you in the midst of this storm. Where are you in this storm? Give me peace in this storm. We're so worried to get to the other side. Can I get to the other side of this? But we miss the process in between and what God is doing in our lives in the process. Do I think he caused it? No. Do I think he'll use it? Yes. Do I think he'll turn it around for your good? Absolutely. See what the devil meant for bad, God will turn for your good. So I'm sorry what you're going through. My heart hurts that life isn't perfect, but I know you're in a process and I trust God with your process. I trust God with my process. Let's look at Revelations 2, 4, and 5. It says, but I have this complaint against you. It's Jesus talking to the church of Ephesus. You don't have, you don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. See, when we get dull, we lose that first love. Because if we lost that first love, we wouldn't be afraid. If we had that first love, we wouldn't be afraid. And he's saying, look, pay attention. Where are you? I'm doing a thing over here. You're not seeing. You're not recognizing. He's saying, wake up. Come back to me. Come back to that first love. Do the things that you used to do. He's calling us back because the season and times are important. And we have to recognize, yes, it's dark and it's dull and all these things are happening. But the word says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. So if we're not awake, if our senses are dulled, we're only going to see the bad things and we're not going to see his spirit being poured out. And that's what's happening. It took me 25 years to get to this point, guys. That's a long time. That's half my life. But I've seen some of these young adults and some of these new people who get born again and they are accelerated quick because God's doing a new thing and he's pouring out his spirit. But if we're asleep, if our senses are dull, we're not going to see it. I want to see his spirit move. So today is a call to wake up. Don't be dull. The last one I want to talk about is Samuel and Eli. 
I don't know if this homework number three or number four, but 1 Samuel chapter three is your next point of homework. 1 Samuel chapter three, I want to talk about being spiritually deaf and the inability to hear God or to do his will. And in this story, there was a young boy who was dedicated by his parents to the temple. And Eli was the priest. And Samuel heard very clearly his name being called in the middle of the night. Do you know that that's one of the first times I heard the Lord speak to me audibly? I was asleep and I heard him speak my name in my ear. Marlene. I remember I woke up and I looked at Fabian and he was. I said, well, it's not him. I was a babe in the Lord. And then I remembered the story and I said, God, if that's you, I'm listening. And he said, feed my sheep. And I was such a baby. I said, what does that mean? What does that mean? God, what does that mean? And then I had to put it on the scale, test the spirit. Is that good or bad? Is that, I was a babe. I didn't know that was good. I thought it was good. I mean, I knew it was in the word, but I audibly heard the voice of God. And in this scripture and in this verse or this chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. So he said to Samuel, go lie down. And if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went back to bed. Let's look at verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do shocking things in Israel. How many of you want to see shocking things? That doesn't mean bad. It means like, whoa, that dead man just raised from the dead. Whoa, that guy just got healed. Whoa, that addict just walked out of his grave clothes. How many of you want to see the amazing, beautiful, marvelous, shocking things of God? So we have to be awakened in Christ. We can't be dull and we got to have ears that hear. So everything that happens in our lives today, we have to take time to listen to what the Lord is saying. We have to take time to pray. We can't be spiritually asleep, deaf, or dead. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Romans 11, I'm sorry, Romans 13, 11 through 12 says, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Know the time that you're in. Know that your season you're in. And time is running out. Wake up for your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be sleepwalking through life. I don't want to be in a daze, in a stupor, in a fog. I don't want to be medicated. I don't want to be checked out. I want to be awake and aware and alert of what God is doing in my life. I want to see what God is doing around me. I want to see the glory of the Lord. I want to see it in the smile of a child. I want to see it in the heart of a necklace. I want to see it when we go to the hospital and someone that's sick gets healed. I don't want to be so dull and desensitized that I can't see the Lord anymore. I want to see God in the world around me. I want to hear it in his voice and I want to do his will. Verse John 5, 25, and I'm going to end with this. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when the dead will hear my voice and the voice of the Son of God and those who listen will live.